these are the real everyday effects of lack of sleep. Those micro things. So when I work with clients, I always talk about little things we can all do each and every day. When somebody struggles with sleep so much, we do need to sometimes address what they're doing during the day. So sometimes actually my work starts with, let's get you more focused, more productive, so you don't feel like you haven't achieved enough at the end of the day, which then stops you going to bed and going to sleep. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with the talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, how you doing? Adam here, and I wanted to quickly let you know about a brand new 15-minute video training where I show you how to get 5, 10, 15, 25 or more predictable sales appointments every month in just 30 minutes a day, and how you can do all of that without cold calling, networking, relying on referrals, or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I've added that to the podcast gift page, which you can find at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. And you'll also see all of the other resources and gifts that I've created on that page as well. So hope you go and check that out and, uh, and enjoy what you find. So until you do that, let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, today's episode is going to focus on something ever so slightly different to what you're used to, because we're going to be talking about sleep. Now, why, you might be thinking, isn't this a podcast about growing a business? Well, funny enough, it's very important to sleep well when it comes to growing your business, because according to Rand Europe's research and cross-country analysis in 2016, a lack of sleep among UK workers is costing the economy £40 billion and 200,000 working days that are lost each year. And that's not even considering, obviously, worldwide figures. So it's clear that a lack of good quality sleep can have a serious impact on your business, both from the negative impact that it will have on your own performance and that on your staff. And the good news is I'm talking to a sleep coach today who believes that sleeping well at night is a skill that we can all develop. She's also a professional speaker, author of The Sleep Deep Method and founder of The Sleep Deep Practice. And having struggled with insomnia and burning herself out in her mid-twenties, she spent the last 10 years researching sleep and learning that in order for us to sleep well at night, we need to look much deeper than just how tired we are and the number of hours that we sleep. And to be honest, me, as a parent of two daughters under the age of four, it's a subject I find myself thinking about quite a lot. And it's why I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today, Beatrix Schmidt, onto the Client Catching Podcast. So Beatrix, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really looking forward to discussing this with with you and sharing some practicalities so that we can all help each other to improve that sleep. Well, as I say, as the uh, as as the father of uh, yeah two daughters who one one who is almost one and uh, and the other is three and a half. Yeah, sleep has not always been well for the last year, nearly yeah three and a half years. It's not been something that's always come easy. And I can definitely tell 
the days when I'm coming off the back of a bad night or maybe a series of bad nights and it affects a performance, my own, my thinking and all that kind of thing. But not everyone obviously is, is going to be in my situation. But what are the sort of situations that you find people get themselves in when they're coming to you and the problems that that kind of causes for them personally and in their business? Mm. So a lot of the clients that end up reaching out to me are clients who have been struggling for a long period of time. So you're looking at probably the two to three months plus. And again, we're talking about problems that are really causing them significant issues during the day. So normally around the five, six hours a night, potentially even broken, which is probably something you're pretty much familiar with, even though, you know, some of my clients yeah. don't have kids. Yeah. But it's this broken, not enough quality sleep, waking up in the morning, not feeling like you've actually slept enough to feel energized. And I think one of the key points most of the professionals recognize is this waking up. It's just not, it's not happening the way it used to happen when we would have slept better. So I think these are the scenarios and there can be various different causes, you know, so for some people, just like in your situation, it's family related, mm -hmm. either small children or elderly parents. Uh, it can be either. Mm -hmm. um, it can be worrying about teenagers being out, you know, all those kind of family dynamics. Oh, I've um, got those to come then, have I? Brilliant. <laughs> well, I think you'll get trained on it better, so you'll be probably <laughs> stressing less. Um, but we can revisit the conversation then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think all the way to people who deal with international teams, doing their best to be able to communicate in different time zones, the stresses of that. And the other type of client that I often come across with is a client who is so intellectually driven or occupied that they no longer know how to switch off their brain. And obviously a big part of sleep is being able to not completely switch off. It's not like turning the light off. Your brain continues to perceive information and work, but detaching. Um, and that probably describes pretty much everyone that uh, runs their own business. Yes, um, you know, if that and and yeah, um, people that um, you know run companies, CEOs, executives, all that kind of thing. Because I guess sometimes to even get to that place, you have to be that kind of driven and almost consumed by it at times. Yes, although consume is maybe a little bit of a an over exaggeration. I don't know, but it's 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 that sort of thing that you're always thinking about it. You're constantly on. Um, you never switch off, which technology everyone's got a phone in their pocket Tech, you know we, we are always on now it's it's always there and i guess that the blue light that is emitted from those devices as well and all that sort of thing it all has that knock knock on effect for how we sleep and um yeah I, I, yeah it can be yeah just just such something that really really does have that negative impact and thinking of that what is how does it show up so obviously people will kind of know that maybe we're not sleeping as much and maybe one or two bad nights they can sort of chalk off to, you know, just one of those things. How would somebody really start to notice that they are actually sleep deprived, maybe over a longer period of time? What happens to them during the day? How does it show up for them? Maybe obviously not just falling asleep on their desk or, or something like that, but how does it show up for people? So actually, you pointed out falling asleep at their desk. A lot of people who struggle with insomnia they're not necessarily sleepy, as we imagine, falling asleep at your desk. 
but they're just consistently tired. And when you think about, you know, again, we talk about the energy dip in the afternoon. It might not be just the three o'clock. It could be at 11 o'clock as well. Mm. So it's a lot of the times what I see with clients is they, we, we start to recognize that our energy levels are really, really low from the beginning of the day or sort of 11 o'clock onwards. Because when we don't sleep enough, our sleep-wake cycle which is, which is a cycle that we go through each and every day, it changes the way we manage our energy. Mm. So, you know, when we wake up in the morning tired, we might have a cup of coffee and then, you know, it will wake us up. But actually, how long does that last? And I think one of the main things clients who come to me recognize is that they're just not able to function the way they used to. Mm. And I think especially in the UK, we're we're very easy to respond with, um, you know, I'm just a little tired. But actually, we really need to recognize that that tiredness is there all the time. And that shouldn't be normal. You know, Mm. we could have one or two days when we're a little bit tired, but exhaustion, uh, continuous tiredness is a big sign. And and do you find that there's sometimes, because you work with individuals, you also work with businesses and and sort of go in and and talk to teams about this and, Mm. and things like that. Do you find that sometimes within within a business, there can almost be a culture that breeds this sleep deprivation because of expecting people to be on call pretty much all the time, answering emails in the middle of the night, that right. kind of thing. And and what do you say to, to, to companies that operate in that way? So I think, first of all, as you probably know as well, changing company culture takes time. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, especially when it comes to companies, we've got to look at what is currently going on. And I think, like you mentioned, what are the workstations set up? Are the emails coming in all the time? Different roles within the organization. For example, someone who might be a secretarial admin role, they might have to actually look at their emails almost consistently. Mm. Whereas on the other end, somebody who's maybe working on a project are no longer that attached to their emails. But I think, first of all, in the company culture, you've really got to look at what's currently there. Mm. And that's normally coming from what the business does. If it's a customer service type business, customers might be ringing and the phones need to be picked up. So when we look at culture, I need to acknowledge what type of business business it is because you can't expect the receptionist to not check their emails because they're not sleeping so well. Mm. But how do you manage that? And I think a lot of the work that I do is practically managing the problem rather than being delusional about it a little bit. It's what can we do? What are the little things we can do? And culture, first of all, changing company culture starts with opening up the conversation. I can imagine there's a lot of education required at times to yeah. change a culture. It's, it's something that tends to be ingrained. And there's, I'm, I'm sure, things um, or, or, or famous people at the moment that are, that are sort of shining a light on this sort of thing. Um, Ariana Huffington, for example, wrote the book. Um, and uh, the, the title escaped my mind, probably because I Why? haven't slept for three and a half years. Um, yeah. Why we sleep, or something like that, or maybe that's another one. But that's another one. Yeah, yeah. There, there are there are people that are actually bringing this to the forefront and actually saying no. This this really needs to be something that we all prioritize again because we've stopped prioritizing it. And 
yeah. that in itself, I guess, is you know helps with the education. But then when you get to maybe a one-on-one -on -one situation, you're talking to a, a company, culture starts from the top and it filters down. So do you find yourself often going in and sometimes having to really have that honest conversation with the people at the top before you can even consider going down? I mean, is that Absolutely. a difficult conversation to have at times? Well, it can be as difficult as you make it, I think. <laughs> I'm quite direct in that way that we have to have that conversation. Mm. Even a corporate uh, team or a HR manager reaching out to me, booking me to come in to do a talk or a workshop, I need to know what I'm dealing with because there's no point in me delivering a general talk when it won't apply to the people. So to give you an example, um, I've had experience in, for example, data analyst type companies where the type of people are different. They love data. They, they the typical research type personality. You talk to them very differently than you talk to someone who is more of a maybe something like an events business or or again we can take a customer service type business because the type of people within the organization will will be slightly different you know and this is one of the things that i really encourage companies to do before they do any of these kind of activities is it's very simple to send out a survey and and ask the right questions mm. don't just ask your people are you interested in the topic? Ask them different questions so that you can actually then, or the, the, the team, the HR team, or whichever team deals with it, can bring in the right type of information, which opens up the conversation, obviously, and then you get the results after. And I think this is one of the things that I really focus on, even when I do my own uh, marketing materials, is mm. focus on the outcome. Let's, let's have those real conversations. So the difference is, for example, instead of me talking about better sleep, I talk about insomnia. Yeah. It's a simple shift, but then you talk about the problems rather than an idea that might be so far away from your people. Because that's that's the, the language that your audience is speaking. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's very much at the heart of um, yeah, how, how I see things. I mean think like a fish not of like a fisherman it's 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 almost like the mantra behind um, my, my entire ethos around marketing yeah. and you cannot do that unless you have conversations with your ideal clients because you may have a great idea in your head mm -hmm. and you spend a long long time you know coming up with these great campaigns or products or services or whatever it is and then you put it out into the world and people are like I don't want that mm -hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 a similar sort of thing, and I love the way that you approach how you how you go about working with a client because ultimately, it's client focused. You're looking at what they need, what is the outcome that they are looking to achieve, and it's very easy just to think, well, a better night's sleep. Well, maybe that's the way that they solve the problem, but the outcome they may want as a as a company is um, increased revenue, productivity, yeah. less um, absent days. Because every single absent day costs a business a lot of money, and if you multiply that over enough, as we've, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction from the uh, the research, that can add up to a lot of money. And I guess when you go into a company and say, "Look, this has the potential to save you X amount," then you can take a, you know, a, a company into into high profits potentially simply by addressing one of the key things that is contributing to a, a number of different challenges they they have. Because not every challenge is fixed by sales, <laughs> not yeah. every single one. And I think, you know, 
this is one of the things that one of my clients who have done, a, and, and I must stress that it's not just me that did talks. They've mm. done a series of events about similarly uh, similar topics. What they actually found is recruitment costs went down because guess what happens when we look after ourselves better and be more honest and direct about, you know, today I'm really feeling my, you know, the, the night that I had was terrible. I'm really feeling low, but I'm communicating with my team mm. and I'm telling them that, you know, I'm not quite up there today. Mm. Guess what happens? They can support each other. Mm. Then teamwork improves, communication improves because we no longer get upset about, oh, that person made a comment and because I'm tired, I'm misunderstanding what that comment meant creating those kind of difficult work environments they start communicating better they feel more value valued because again if you can go up to your manager and say you know today i'm really struggling or you know for example for a for a father who's had a baby mm. turning around saying well the baby was up all night can i move into an office to to not be interrupted and, and continue to mm. be focused right and have those opportunities, they will feel more valued, they're more likely to stay with the company, and recruitment costs can decrease. These are actually quite trackable mm. if the company chooses to track them. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure that, yes, if you're a, a company of a particular size, you will quite quickly see a return in investing in something like this simply by just being able to track your numbers. And uh, yeah, it's interesting the way that you uh, you talk about this because I'm it, it, it's 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 automatically kind of putting in my mind a picture of almost like a, a micro example of everything that you have described there, but on a on a personal level mm-hmm. um, within the family unit because I can definitely I mean yeah. I don't track it I'm not measuring it but it's anecdotal but I can definitely say it's a, a thing when we have had broken night sleep and all the rest of it. The household is more tense. It's more yes. short with each other. There's less of the communication. And then, you know, it becomes the, 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 the competition thing. Well, you're not doing this or you're not doing that and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and, and everything just like, like the, all the tension goes up. And yet when you are out of that and you sort of take a step back, you realize, oh, my God, that was just because we were shattered. And I think this is these are the real everyday effects of lack of sleep. Mm. Those micro things. So when I work with clients, I always talk about little things we can all do each and every day to improve our sleep. And obviously, when somebody struggles with sleep so much, we do need to sometimes address what they're doing during the day. So sometimes actually my work starts with let's get you more focused, more productive. So you don't feel like you haven't achieved enough at the end of the day which then stops you going to bed and going Mm. to sleep. So sometimes it's the other way around, right? Mm. But these little things, recognizing those those things that are unfolding, not jumping into an argument, but actually taking a step back, being a little bit more patient. And again, you know, when you've got a high flyer who's stressed out, patience might not be the first thing I discuss with them. Mm. But it's an important part of our every single day, our physical, emotional, mental resilience mm. is relying on our sleep. Absolutely. And I want to I wanna sort of come into maybe some of the practical yeah. steps that you've touched on there in, in terms of how we can improve it. And, and, and I'm looking forward to it because I, I get the impression that it's, or 
I'm hearing that it's not necessarily about some of the stuff you might find when you Google, how do I get up at night's sleep? Like, um, you know, make yes. sure your room is the right temperature and get a new pillow or something. Like, great, thanks. But what I, I want to sort of address a question that I think most people have when it comes to sleep is, is it or is there a specific number of hours that I should be getting? And if I don't hit that, does that screw everything up? So, again, generally speaking, there is a guideline. A healthy adult um, ranges between sort of the seven to nine hours. But seven to nine is a big range. So normally when I work with clients who imagine they're struggling and they might be getting five, a part of my work is setting realistic, realistic expectations. So if you're someone who's listening and you're struggling to get probably up to six hours and it might be disturbed, the first step for you might be that you want to actually get a better quality within that six before we start putting pressure on ourselves to get it to seven and a half and be frustrated in bed thinking, why am I not getting it? And this person told me I should, but I don't know how to. Mm -hmm. So how I approach this is looking at where you're at and looking at where you want to be in three months time, not overnight, because it would take time to change. But the National Sleep Foundation uh, guidelines And this is also something that I incorporated into my work as well. So the four pillars of sleep is, first of all, your ability to switch off in the evening. So again, a misconception that I often hear is people think, oh, well, I haven't got to sleep within 10, 15 minutes. But actually, up to 30 minutes of time for you to transition from the day to the night, fall asleep is okay. Right. But we get impatient about it, right? So first element is getting to sleep. The second element is disturbed sleep. So are you getting up? Uh, my getting up time when I struggled with my insomnia was two, three o'clock in the morning, mm. almost every night. Same time frame, almost like an alarm was on. So the second element is, uh, is your sleep disturbed? If it is, maybe that would be the first step to work on. The third element is waking up in the morning energized. And, you know, this is one of the things we started with. Mm. But when I work with clients, they often don't know what that means. What does energized mean? So I get them to establish a rating system, one to 10, and really understand what that number is for them. You know, if I slept six hours, but I actually wake up okay, I don't need coffee or anything like that, then that was probably something like a, a six. But if I really had disturbed sleep that, that, and I really can't drag myself out of bed after my third alarm, that's probably going to be something like a four. So you can start seeing the differences, which guess what? Tracks back or what have you done the night before to make that happen? Mm. So this is how you can actually then track back to the practicalities. And the fourth element, the fourth pillar, is how you're able to maintain your energy levels throughout the entire day. And again, we mentioned that before. Mm. You know, is it that when you get home at night, you're falling asleep on the train at seven o'clock in, in the evening because you're exhausted? Or is it that you're okay and, you know, you might be more wired mm. than tired? So... These are the four pillars. So again, switching off in the evening, sleeping through the night, 
waking up both mentally and physically. So mm. mentally and physically, not just you scare yourself out of bed. Yeah. And maintaining your energy levels. And these four, when you get them all fine-tuned and working together really, really well, you get this really great uh, sleep at night and good energy levels during the day. Um, do you find that there are morning people, there are late-night people and uh, to do with uh, what I've read, the circadian rhythm and, and yep. all that kind of thing? Is, is that a thing or is that... Is that not a thing in your experience and that you can train yourself to be a morning person or not? Um, is that a thing? And, and does that impact the ability to almost carry out those four steps? Because if you are a natural night person, but you are being forced up early in the morning, for example, mm -hmm. does that have an impact? So there is such a thing as a more of an early person than a late person. I'm glad you said um, that because I'm not, I've always said I'm not a morning person. But I always <laughs> say question mark. Yeah. Why? Because we're very good at overriding and forcing ourselves to do something different. Mm. So I'm not sure if you're, whatever you've done in the past, at one point in my life, I was very much encouraged by my peer group to get up earlier in the morning there was something called the five o'clock mm. club and it just didn't work for me. It really didn't. And I felt worse and mm. it was supposed to be a great thing to do because mm. then you're more productive and you're going to be able to do more in the morning before everybody starts working. And I, my brain was just not going anywhere as five o'clock in the morning. So there is such thing. One of the big things I see today is People might be monitoring their sleep with a sleep tag that sits on your wrist, whatever you might be using, but that's not necessarily a detailed, detailed enough data for us to completely understand the, the dynamic. Hmm. So when you go and have a sleep a study done in a proper clinic, they'll put sensors, various different sensors on the body, which is how they can actually very much measure this uh, circadian rhythm mm. during those tests they can definitely tell you what type of a person you are more of an early early person or more of a late person but we sometimes jump into conclusions based on limited data we might see on these variables and jump into conclusion about what that means mm. so often most of the people who have these they don't they don't really understand what they see they might see data but they don't quite understand what they're seeing which is why mm. i always encourage people to you know if you're really struggling you've got to seek help for it don't mm. self-diagnose you know googling isn't gonna diagnose you you probably uncover something like really sinister as well and and, yeah. and then you know you, you become really freaked out I mean, that's Absolutely. the worst thing you can do. Oh dear, I've got a cold. Well, I better Google it. Oh my God, no, my leg's about to fall off. It's yep. <laughs> And I think this is another point. There are 64 different types of sleep disorders recognized within the medical field. Most of them will come with an element of tiredness, exhaustion as a symptom. So how do you know which one if you haven't had properly a uh, proper assessment? So that's another thing I always say. Um, but I think... Another element to this, which I see, and my work is very much around behavior, um, is for somebody who's driven and goes on generally on an adrenaline rush type of day, 
they might not recognize what they are exactly. And also if their business requires them to entertain clients in the evening, they're not going to question, oh, am I an early person or a late person? Mm-hmm. You've got to do what it takes to run that organization. Often again, um, you know, people in high positions, mm-hmm. they have to entertain clients. It's not a question. So you push through. And we and choose that's, to- that's the ultimate burning the candle at both ends, isn't it? Yeah. Because you then have to be in the, you know, in, in the yeah. team meeting or the board meeting at eight o'clock in the morning and, and yeah. it all starts again. And yeah, it becomes that vicious cycle. So uh, yeah, there's, there's so many, so many ways that you can sort of see how it impacts the, the challenges that it presents and, and all those sorts of things. It's, it is such an important thing to, to really think about. And I guess, yeah, if, if somebody is listening to this and uh, they're, <laughs> they're still awake and um, they you know, I, I guess one of the first things, if you're thinking, well, I am a bit tired, is it is it a question that you go and see your GP, um, go and talk to your doctor, or or, or you know, is that the kind of place that you go, or is it thinking about behaviours first? I mean, I'm not a medical professional, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't play a doctor on TV or anything like yeah. that. So, uh... <laughs> I think the first step is going to look at the reality of your situation. And why do I say that? It's because obviously if you go to see your GP and you're going to tell them that you're potentially, let's say you sleep six and a half, seven hours, they're going to say, well, that's kind of normal. So you're okay. But context, right? Mm. So how much context do you give the person? You've got to tell them the the context of the problem. Uh, And this is another thing I see with people who have gone through the medical route but have potentially given limited information, which means how can you then get the help you need? Mm. Okay. So when I do an initial consultation, it's an hour long. Mm. When you see a GP in the UK, you've got 15 minutes. So give them the information, give them the information they need. So there's, there's a couple of different things that people can do before they go and see someone. Um, There's different sort of scoring systems for sleepiness and so on. Uh, I won't go into details because then it kind of gets diluted a bit and people pick and choose what they do. But the GP is a great route mm. because you will have a track record. And if you go and see them once and they might give you a solution, you can go and see them the second time, maybe six weeks later and say, well, that didn't quite work. And then you now have a track record and history mm. uh, or seek someone out who either like myself, who's more knowledgeable um, and you give a, a, a free assessment or an hour, don't you? So, yeah, uh, yeah maybe maybe if, uh, if you're listening and thinking, well, yeah, I'd actually like to have a conversation with, a, with, with someone that is used to dealing with this sort of thing, then absolutely go and uh, absolutely. Uh, have, a, have a conversation. And, um, yeah, it will be one of the most valuable things I'm sure you can do. So absolutely. why don't you just sort of walk us through a little bit of, um, you know, what you actually sort of do with your business and, and, and that sort of story of how, how it started and, and, and what you specifically help or do for clients. Yes. So my business started with me being um, someone who couldn't sleep. So I was struggling with insomnia to the point where literally in my mid twenties, I would wake up with bleeding nose at night consistently because my body was that exhausted. Now in my situation, the, the effects were bleeding nose at night. Not everybody experiences that. But alongside that, I was exhausted. I would have three alarms in the morning and not be able to get out of bed. 
you know, I would literally have to drag myself out of bed. I, I was often running late to things and rushing around because I was, I, I was always behind. Mm. And I went to the, I went to my GP and at the time there was very little. Um, and they just sort of given me the usual sleeping tablets and that didn't seem to work. And I went back and, and there was just not much they could provide for me. Whereas today there's a lot more options. And I just, I just basically said to myself, if I could sleep before and I could sleep well before, surely I'm capable. So what will it take for me to be able to sleep well again? And 10, 11 years later, I've done lots of different personal research projects, looked into medical research. Of what are these elements that we need to put in place to actually consistently guarantee good sleep? Um, some of it is psych, uh, psychological, some of it is physiological. You know, if somebody has an, an already existing um, medical problem, that's going to affect their sleep. You know, some, some medication will have that direct impact. For me, there was nothing much around that. It was just that I chosen to change my lifestyle that I liked that actually did not cater for who I really was. And this is where the early bird night owl conversation comes in because I was very much like that. I was proud to be a night owl, a badge of honor, but actually I'm not. I'm, I'm, normally, I'm in the normal range. So I normally go to bed at 11, 11.30 and get up at seven in the morning, which is kind of a normal range. Um, and I basically developed the skills that I needed to develop to be able to switch off, to be able to calm my mind, to be able to sleep through the night, to look at, our 20, to look at my 24 hours and figure out what were the things that weren't helping me to deliver that result, which is the great night's sleep. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm saying 24 hours is because everybody is going to have a different 24 hours. They're going to mm -hmm. have different stressors during that day. <clears throat> They're going to have different tools and techniques already in place that might be helping them to get through some of those challenges that affect their sleep. Mm. Um, so what I've seen in my life is a lot of it was behavior driven. Mm. How I chose to live my life didn't cater for what my body needed. And I'm sure a lot of your, a lot of people that you talk to are, are very similar and, and you yeah. built those kind of things up without really even yeah, being conscious of them. And yeah. so how on earth can you diagnose what the, what, what the problem is? Because you are unconscious, I guess, to a lot of those behaviors that are built up and you don't know where to start. So yeah. I'm assuming that that's where you, uh, you help people sort of un yeah. unlock what those are and, um, and fix them and give them strategies to, uh, yeah, to, to, to get them the best night's sleep that they've ever had. Absolutely. And continuously. And I think this is it. I, most of my clients always say, I didn't think that it was going to be that simple. Mm. But it is simple. It's a, it's a it, great sleep and those skills around sleep. And this is providing you don't have a medical disorder. And I always stress that. So, you know, you can develop all the skills you want, but if you've got a medical disorder that's stopping you, that's a different scenario, right? Mm. Again, don't self-diagnose. But a lot of the clients that, clients that come to me, is more behavioral driven. Mm. Small increments of changes in your behavior will add to you being more self-aware of what you're doing to your own body. What are those links? What are those stressors? What are your coping mechanisms? What are your responses? 
you know, we talked about family mm. disagreements. When you can catch yourself reacting mm. because you're more aware of what's happening and how it's impacting everything, you know, you can, you can actually change it. Just a quick example. One of my clients that I worked with, you know, we talk about sleep environment, right? One of the major things that changed everything for her was removing a family picture on, that was on the wall which represented a major family disagreement. Wow. So every time she would walk into her bedroom, she would see the picture, the emotions would kick in, and therefore she started thinking about things, right? Which we do, because when it's quiet around us and we're not quite sleepy, we start thinking about various different things. Once we remove the picture, that stressor, that reaction was also removed. And it was all unconscious as well, I can imagine. And, and yeah, I mean, obviously the environment thing is important. And, you know, people say about, you know, make it quiet, make it cool, blackout blinds, all the rest of it. Mm. I've never seen anyone say, well, remove something that is going to cause a stressor that you probably yeah. aren't even aware of. That, that's fascinating. So yeah. how have you gone about building the business? How's it, you know, and what, uh, what, what's been your most effective way of bringing those people to you that you can help in this way so when i started building a business i didn't know it was a business <laughs> because people would just ask me what happened what changed right and some of us who build businesses around either a passion or or something that we were knowledgeable about we kind of start there right mm. um nowadays i think being completely honest, direct, and practical about what I'm talking about. Most of the times that people come up to me and either after a talk or, you know, after initial consultations, like, wow, that makes sense. Now I can do something about it because you clarified it. Mm. And it's not as bad as I think, or it's not as complicated as I think, or, or I'm, not, I'm not that bad, right? We always think, oh my God, this is disastrous. But when you simplify a big problem to someone and you, you show them practical steps they can take towards the improvement and they're willing to do the work, they will do it. It's so true with so many things. And yeah, what is it? Occam's razor is the, is the principle. Sometimes the most simple answer is the answer. Yep. And it's the same. You know, it's, I guess it's a bit similar to what I do. I, I say it doesn't have to be complicated, this marketing no. thing. It can be simple as long as you follow foundational principles and don't chase the latest shiny object, which yeah. I guess for you is sleep trackers and tech and all the rest of it. Yeah. No, go back, look at your behaviors, look at the way you do things. You'll see a massive improvement. You don't need an Apple Watch to do that. No, um, <laughs> you can use it to enhance things. Great, but we don't need them. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is a question I like to ask. Um, sort of thinking about the business. Mm -hmm. And it's um, I'm always interested to hear the answers with this because if, let's say, for example, something um, unexpected happened in the business um, and all of a sudden you needed a, an influx of clients or, or revenue or something like that, it could be a, a large bill that was unexpected, it could be, um, I don't know, you're, you, you've fallen ill or, or something like that. How would you go about sort of making that repair or going about that repair job in, in, in say, 30 days? Mm -hmm. So I think I can definitely relate to that because um, recently my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer and she lives back in Hungary 
which is where I'm from, and I'm here in London. And just a week before that, a very good friend of mine who's in London passed away, unfortunately, also from cancer. So there's been a series of events which meant that it affects us. It affected me. The emotions rise. Sleep gets impacted. And I always talk to my clients very honestly about it. My sleep isn't perfect either, but I have tools and techniques to put in place. And that's the important thing is how do we deal with it? So when all those things happened, I had to take time out because that was, first of all, the right thing to do. Secondly, the important thing to do. Um, and, and then when I actually sort of came back from that, it's looking after me. Because when something like that happens, a significant life event or a series of significant life events, problems, issues, whatever, it could be good times too getting married for some people, you know, that's a significant life event too. Absolutely. For me, it was first of all to recognize that I can't do as much as I used to and prioritizing those, those things that could turn into sort of the most important sort of income stream, mm. right? And also, I think, you know, this very well is, is building up that, brand building up that awareness when when you then come back you people know who you are and you can reconvene very easily and i think mm -hmm. this is another thing that you know for me in the last sort of literally two months helped me a lot because clients came in even though i wasn't around as much mm -hmm. because my reputation and my business and my brand was there absolutely and so, um yeah thank prioritizing. you for, yeah thank you for for sharing that and um i know we we had touched on that um before uh we hit record and and yeah thank you for sharing that and i, I think i i touched on a, on a similar thing that um you know happened with me a, a few years ago and uh there is uh there is other or depending on when you're listening to this one um yeah i mean i, I think i've touched on it before about what yes. happened with my uh my firstborn and then losing my mother a few weeks later it was yeah one of the hardest things ever and, and that's a similar situation and I love how the way that you sort of said you didn't go into any kind of tactic or strategy. You went, the first thing I do, I, look, I thought about looking after myself and reprioritizing. And, and, and it's sometimes you don't realize that that's one of the most important things you can do. Yeah. I mean, I found that becoming a new parent. Suddenly, I'm still trying to do all the things that I used to be able to do yeah. in my day and then getting upset with myself that I couldn't do them. Yep. That was ludicrous. That's just insanity. But... But that's how we work as human beings. We yeah. all think we can all... do exactly the things we used to do five, ten years ago, right? And I think it's and, and it's funny because it's not even recognized that we can't do them. Of course we can do them, but it's acknowledging what's actually more important and what will help us to get back to our normality. And for most of mm. us business owners, entrepreneurs, normality is actually quite high above normality because we tend to do a lot more things than most people absolutely so our normality is even higher than normal right <laughs> um, well i think in a way it has to just to have uh, you know started started down this uh, slightly insane route at times so uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh beatrix thank you ever so much for um for sharing everything um it's it's a it's been a completely different way that i've sort of thought about 
sleep, how to go about dealing with potential issues with it. Because as yeah, I think I've covered, like some of the advice that you may read is pretty standard and you think, oh, great. Well, that's yeah. okay. I know that or I've read that. Yep. It doesn't work. What do I do next? So thank you ever so much. And, and if there's people listening that are thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, Beatrice, where do they need to, uh, to, to go to, to maybe have a conversation? So um, obviously I put out regular content through my website. The website is called thesleepdeepmethod.com. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to start getting sort of general freer information, I've got lots of YouTube videos, I've got eBooks and you name it, because that's my way of starting introducing new ideas. So there's one ebook that I would definitely recommend for someone who's struggling with sort of insomnia type or insomnia. Um, I've put together an ebook called 28 Ways to Overcome Insomnia Naturally, which basically maps out different small things, like we mentioned, you can do to start putting in place better behaviors, better routines, better ways of dealing with things. So go ahead, feel free to download that. But don't just download it, start using them and put them in place. Don't just try them for a day. That's the difference. Um, And through the website, if any of you are interested in having a conversation with me, you can find the uh, booking for the complimentary session. And I'll I'll be very happy to clarify some of those misconceptions and help you on the way to better sleep. And um, yeah, and, and that, that goes for whether it's for yourself or whether you're thinking actually there's, there's something here for the, for the team I run, for the, for the business I run, for the people involved. You know, if you are, if, if, you know, if you've got you know, parents with young children and you're sort of starting mm. to think of it in a different way now after listening to this, because I can tell you, if, if you haven't been a parent and I always used to think, yeah, yeah, it can't be that bad. My God, it can be. (laughs) It now makes me mad when anyone that's not got kids goes, God, I feel really tired. I think you haven't got a bloody clue, you know, sort of thing. It doesn't. But, you know, if you you are, you know, if you're managing someone like that or you're starting to notice something about someone that just isn't seeming right or anything, this is, this could be something that will massively make a difference, not necessarily just to you, but to somebody else. So, yeah, go and have a look, have a chat with Beatrix because it could change a lot of things for yourself and for the people around you and your clients and your business. So uh, Beatrix, thank you ever so much for being here and, and just being so generous with your your uh, your knowledge, your uh, um, your time. And um, all that's left to say is happy fishing. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.